Limerick have been waiting for. 
um, just watching that Leinster match, you wouldn't fill you with a whole lot of hope, and especially the kind of the messaging after the match as well. Like Van Grand didn't really say Munster could have done anything else. He just said Leinster are a class side, and it's very difficult to beat them. And he didn't really inspire a whole lot of hope that maybe Munster should have, you know, in my view, should have more of a game plan, more variation. They should have like pre uh, pre planned plays that they can unleash on teams like this. You think of Keith Earls try against England in the Six Nations. Like you don't see Munster pull that kind of stuff out of their sleeve very often. So um, I think he does probably need a result to get, um, you know, Munster fans faith and support back in him because right now maybe it's slightly um, faltering. Is he too conservative, do you think, in the big games or do the players need to take ownership of this as well? Yeah, it's probably a combination because I think it is like a conservative game plan, to be honest. I think... He's a traditional coach and he does value the, the forward side of the game and winning up front. And it seems like every time we kind of fall short, he addresses the problem by trying to add another South African to the pack, basically. Like, you know, that seems to be uh, his, his kind of, that's probably, you know, I'm not fully serious there, but, you know, he does seem quite that way inclined with a, with a forward strategy game. And um, I thought Munster kind of looked like they were afraid of making mistakes. They knew they had to be accurate against Leinster and they seemed to, to freeze up on the big stage, possibly overthinking it, maybe an information overload in terms of making sure, in terms of line-out calls and making sure everything was perfect. And I think, yeah, Van Gran needs brighter ideas, more imagination. We could be a lot more inventive, but also maybe in that Leinster game in particular, I thought maybe the players could have showed a better ferocity and intensity. I know, you know, that's a difficult thing to question, but I just thought they possibly froze and looked a little bit stiff on the big stage. I think if there's anything encouraging, though, it was their defence held up fairly well. Now, Leinster were battering them for large parts of that first half. But then when you get to half time at 6 all, you're expecting, OK, Munster should have some sort of purple patch at some stage of the second half, but it just never seemed to happen for them. Yeah, like we were all waiting for that and it was quite encouraging to see that we did manage to keep them out, I suppose. They did get access to 22 like very easily, which is concerning. I thought, you know, as soon as they spread it out through their centres, they seemed to get good yards every single time and get into 22. But yeah, the last ditch defence was very good. Like fair play to Gavin Coombs and CJ Stander for holding up the ball as well. Like they showed great commitment and they have throughout the whole season in that kind of um, five metre line area. So fair play to them that way. But the response, as you say, it was non-existent. And like Leinster's defence was excellent. They had such a good ferocity. They came off the line really quickly. But for Munster then, you have to think, okay, well, we're being stopped. We're not making yards easily. We need to have some jumper sleeves to pull out here. We need to be able to make sure that they are backpedaling. So for me, from the set piece, there should be launch pads in place. There should be pre-planned plays to make sure that off first phase, you're getting momentum. They're getting, you're getting over there for a tackler and then you have them backpedaling. Leinster were organised because we didn't challenge them that much through the whole thing. So we're going to need to cause panic into the Toulouse uh, defence in first and second phase and then maybe we can make inroads. But if we don't do that and we just, you know, one-out runners, static um, attack, then... I don't think we'd have a chance against Toulouse if we don't bring extra. Do you think he'll um, tear up the script a bit and go? Because during the season, yeah. when even in Europe, they have been they've been doing offloads, they've been drying things off the cuff a bit more. Do you think we could could see more of that this weekend? I'd love to see it. Yeah, I'd love to see it. And I think um, I think probably they're talking about the the Claremont match a lot now this week, and Niall Scannell referenced it in the press conference on, on Tuesday, how in the second half of that game, yeah, it was really like a forward-led performance and it produced like a kind of 
a mammoth for display to lead it and the mall was central to it but there was some variation as well and I think Mike Haley's try showed that and that was very promising um so yeah if we could see that again against um Toulouse it'd be brilliant because I think we're going to have to see it we're going to have to see that combination of yeah forwards maybe at the heart of it but at least let's have some kind of moves let's have some variation to make sure that we can break down Toulouse how important is Joey Carberry then at the weekend? Because he's he's only really starting to come back. Yeah. Now, I know, in fairness, you can't really blame him alone for Munster's defeat against Leinster, but it it, no. it just didn't seem to really happen for him or for the Munster backline at all. Yeah, it didn't. And he, like, he just was like, Leinster had, I think it was 65% possession and 70% of territory was in Munster's half. So, like, that kind of would suggest that the out half wouldn't have a whole lot of influence on the match. And especially then, with the way we'd be quite forward orientated, pick and goes and one out passes anyway. So in the end, Carberry only made, I think it was eight passes in the whole game compared to Ross Burns 27. So that doesn't make for great reading in terms of Munster's possession of the ball, Munster's attacking strategy. Um, and for us to get results in Europe and for us to win trophies, we need to be doing so much more than that. We need to set out a good forward platform and then make sure that Joy Carberry and Conor Murray, who obviously have such like a, like a class standing in the game, can have an influence because, you know, for a lot of the season Munster looked like we had the forward pack and if you think back to the Leinster game in Town Park we lost that match but our, our forwards put in a fantastic performance and only for missed kicks from JJ Hanner and maybe a lack of invention we would have came away with, with, with that win we now have Carberry we now have a quality squad in my view we've got in Stephen Larkham around Van Grant to support him we've Graham Roundtree so like I don't think we have excuses now anymore. Like in the past, our bench was maybe weaker than other European teams we've played, or people would have blamed Felix Jones as backs coach. We now have the best in class in every department, really. So for me, yeah, people will just naturally look at Van Gran and we're gonna to have to produce with Joey Carberry at the heart of that this weekend. Uh, yeah, I should note that we are recording before the team has been named, but you yeah. know Peter O'Mahony is he is a big he is a big injury doubt. How big a loss would he be um, for the weekend? Or do you think Munster would have enough ammunition in the back row to almost be able to absorb yeah. the, that injury? Yeah, well, I think his absence would mean you'd see a second row of Holland and Klein. And then you could see Ty Byrne going to number six position where he's played really well recently and is, you know, was probably the, one of the outstanding players of the Six Nations at least. And couple that with um, Gavin Coombs and, and uh, CJ Stander maybe. And you're looking at still a really long, a really strong back row. Um, so yeah, of course, Omani's leadership will be missed. Um, like I'm sure he's mad to kind of put in big performances after missing the Six Nations, basically most of the matches of the Six Nations. I'm sure he'll be like determined to put in big performances for his province and you know kind of make sure that this um, business end of the season goes well for him. And although maybe a Lions place is unlikely right now, I'm sure he'd love opportunities like this to play. So yeah, he will be a miss um, for sure in, in in some ways. But I also think Munster do have um, the leadership in Holland in the second row and also the quality in the back row to be able to deal with it. Yeah, it hasn't it really hasn't been a good month or so for. Peter O'Mahony, yeah. he, looked, he looked first choice in for Ireland and Munster and then won red card against yeah. Wales in an injury. Yeah, I'm sure he's not a happy man right now like Peter. I'd say next time he does play, if he does miss this weekend, he'll be fairly determined and fairly wound up to put in a performance. Yeah, I wouldn't be. wouldn't want to be the opposite back row now going <laughs> up against him. Um, we talk a bit about Munster do have home advantage here. 
but I suppose it's not the same without any crowd. Do you think we could see more away wins this weekend due to the crowd factor, or do you still think the home factor is still is still such a big thing in this competition? I think maybe, yeah, like the odds of away wins would probably increase considering the, the circumstances if you compare it to the previous years. But there is also benefits of, of being at home as well. And Stephen Larkham referenced that the other day, how like, yeah, they definitely much prefer being at home. Just the, the travel and the organisation and all that is just so, so much like easier for them and allows them to prepare perfectly rather than, you know, Obviously, their preparation for away games will be good, but just not as natural as, as Tone Park. When they're playing a Tone Park pitch, they're used to the conditions, they're used to it. Like, you know, kickers and stuff almost look at, like, reference points behind the goals in their stadium that they can reference for their kicks and stuff like that. So there still is certain um, advantages um, for playing at home. But, yeah, I would expect more away wins as well, and hopefully one of them isn't, isn't too loose. How do Munster go about winning this game then because they are up they do face a big challenge here against Toulouse yeah like it will be difficult I expect Toulouse to have moments of brilliance in the game and we will have to you know scramble to, to stop them on occasion because one thing that they do do really well is counter attack and attack and you know offload from their own areas of the pitch and run downfield and they can just construct these passages of play that can just get them end to end in a flash and with Dupont's imagination in terms of his kicking movement and Intermac outside him, like we will be on the back foot at times. So I think they will get into our area of the field. We will have to defend every bit as well as we did against Leinster. That's going to be crucial to defend like that. If we can ride that storm, it's going to be about momentum and the, the psychology of the match. So if we can disrupt them at big moments when they would usually score in the top 14, and if we can just knock the stuff out of them that way, then we'll have a chance ourselves. We'll, we'll build ourselves that way. We should have built on the, of course, against Leinster last weekend. I think that would be our best chance this weekend. If we can disrupt them and then we have the ball, make sure we're accurate, get into the line out, make sure, crucially, that we have good strategies in place to attack well. And if we can do that much, then hopefully we can, we can grab a result. Uh, what are Toulouse going to be looking to do? Because as you have mentioned, they're a star sort of side, but what, how are they going to target this game? Yeah, look, I think they will look at Munster and they will have huge respect for Munster. Obviously, Munster have had a very good season this year. Obviously, you know, disappointment is still prominent this week after the Leinster match, but like Munster have not lost many games this year. They've showed bits of improvement in terms of how they've moved the ball and the Claremont match especially would come as a warning to Toulouse. So they'll show Munster a lot of respect and they'll know they'll have to be very accurate up front. They'll have to, you know, win the collisions. And if they can do that, it'll become... A lot easier for them so I think they'll have a lot of emphasis on their attacking strategy but also I think one thing I took away from the Leinster match which um, Leinster clearly targeted which I wouldn't have noticed in the rest of the season was that actually maybe teams can get some joy if they spread the ball uh, wide against Munster like or, you know, or two centres obviously big physical units but maybe they don't cover the ground as quickly as other centres in world rugby so they can spread the ball wide and target us in those areas to make yards and then double up with heavy carries and offloads then maybe they'll find joy in that department. Yeah, I think it's certainly going to be an interesting one, but mm -hmm. I know one player who seems to be always talked about a lot is Conor Murray. He had a strong end to the Six Nations, but perhaps it wasn't his finest performance against Leinster. A couple of box kicks, perhaps a bit loose. Is there a case for Craig Casey to start? Or do you think um, Murray still gets the nod? 
yeah, look, I think I think there is a case for Craig Casey, but like I would fully expect Conor Murray to start if that makes sense. So I just think they will stand by their man and stand by his experience in knockout rugby to to lead Munster through this. Um, like for me, I think just the sharpness of Craig Casey, the snappiness of his pass combined with Joey Carberry could, you know, create a whole new world of options for Munster. I think if you, like you're only talking half seconds here, but the difference that can make in terms of your attack and the defensive organization, if we can get the ball that bit faster to Joey Carberry's hands and he is uh, more space and time to work with on every attack, then I think that could really help Munster because we're going to have to be more than just a predictable, um, accurate forwards. We're going to have to be able to spread it up at times and maybe uh, Joy Carberry's um, imagination could prove important. So for me, it would be if I was one of the Munster coaches right now, it would be a tough call, but I would definitely, definitely give a lot of consideration to, to playing Craig Casey because he has stood up for Munster whenever he's been called upon this season. Yeah, I think a lot of, from the few Munster fans I was speaking to, they were quite surprised that Casey was called in so late against Leinster that there wasn't yeah. um that there wasn't um changes made earlier. Do you agree with that or do you think he was right to give to give them a bit of, um, bit more time to try crack Leinster? To be honest, I thought it became fairly apparent early on in the game that like Munster's attack the way it was going wasn't going to result in any tries really or like it would take us, you know, a slice of luck to to score strategically and in the shape of um the, the, the shape of the team, how the players perform and Conor Murray's performance I thought it just struck me that like this attack is going nowhere like Leinster find this quite easy They're, they were quite comfortable through the second half especially they you know they most of the all themselves in the first half but once they tried to attack in the second half Leinster had no problem stopping them and to be fair they, they defended really well as I said earlier like Van der Fleer and those guys like lead, leading their line were really effective um but yeah, I probably would have brought on Craig Casey because that would have brought a different um, dynamic to two Munster's attack and would have made it that bit different, that bit faster. And yeah, at least you won't kind of die wondering then, I guess. We did, you know, it would have been beneficial to have tried a different strategy rather than just losing the way in the fashion that we've lost many times before, which was persisting with Murray and trying to just kind of grunt our way over the line. Yeah, I'm also interested in um, the out-half position now. It seems apparent that Carberry is number one. Who would you, if you had a choice, who would you be naming um, as the reserve out-half on Saturday? So Jack Crowley and Ben Healy are obviously the kind of two big prospects everyone's talking about. And I think Jack Crowley in particular, from what I've heard, speaking to people, from what I've read and from what I've seen in the short bits he played for Munster, could be a real brilliant option for us next season. And that's reflected in the fact that maybe uh, JJ Henry and Munster did want to keep him, of course, and he did go to Claremont, but maybe more effort would have been made to keep him um, had we not had a good young substitute to to, to come in and, and replace him. So I think Jack Hurley for the future in particular will be a brilliant option for us. And he's a very imaginative player. He's strong now as well. He's worked on his physicality. So he's comfortable with the ball in hand, good movement, and he's good eye for, for kicking to the corners and also relatively accurate um, off the tee as well. So he'll be a big one for the future. This weekend, I'd go with Hanrin. That might be conservative to some people, but I still think... Um, you know, Hanrahan has experience that's probably important in these games. And as much as his kicking may have left him down at, you know, big matches this season, like that Leinster match, I still think with ball in hand, he's, he's quite comfortable. And I think he offers more than Healy with a ball in hand as well. Um, yeah, as you mentioned about him going, could you sum up his, how would you sum up his time at Munster? Because he has had, he has gone elsewhere before. Yeah. But what do you think, what do you think would be 
when he's gone? What what do you think yeah. would be the prevailing thoughts? Yeah, um, I suppose it'll kind of be like what could have been in a way, like because you know Ronald Gara was like writing last week how in Ronald Gara's last kicking session it was a young hander next to him. And he thought this was a guy to take over the way he was striking the ball, the kind of confidence of him, and his how like seriously he takes it rugby and how much thought he gives. Ron O'Gara says he really thought Hanrahan would take over. What O'Gara reckons holds back Hanrahan is he actually overanalyzes things and he overthinks. And his natural rugby ability, I think we've seen it in flashes through the years, is actually very, very good. He's very skillful. He has good imagination about him when he wants to, but we possibly don't see that as much as we could have over the last while because of uh, just overthinking situations. So, look, I think he's been one of those really good servants for Munster. Like, he's been reliable for us. He's played uh, pretty well. Like, he's been pretty, like, 7 out of 10 whenever he's been called upon. And I think, yeah, he'll go down with that kind of group of players like Tommy O'Donnell and players like him who, you know, have been very good servants for Munster. And maybe, look, they didn't cut it at the top level, same way Ian Keatley was, you know, a good servant monster, but wasn't going to cut it in terms of winning trophies. So I think, yeah, we should really respect the service that he gave us. And I think he could actually be a good asset for, for, for Claremont as well with the side of rugby that they play. But ultimately, it, look, it didn't turn out as we maybe hoped it would back in 2013 when he first burst onto the scene. Well, what would, you, what would your thoughts be on Billy Holland? Because nearly every weekend from now on, it's going to be, oh, this could be their last major European yeah. game. What are your thoughts on how he's managed to keep going throughout the years? Yeah, like, I mean, years ago, obviously, he, like, faced a lot of competition. The Munster second row, Donna Caroyne was there, Paul O'Connell was there, Donna O'Callaghan as well, and other guys as well. So it was obviously a really, you know, difficult time for him to kind of persist through all those years. He wasn't getting as much game time as he wanted, and you know, as a supporter and a lot of other supporters, you know, wouldn't have really thought a whole lot of Billy Holland because he was just a solid player who played in, in league matches. And that's how it was for him for a long time. I know he considered going to UK for a while when he actually spent a lot of years playing for the Monster A side, not even making Master 23s. So it's been like a kind of testing time for him at times. But I think in the last few years, the way he's put his head down and just improved, like as a player, I think he's improved an awful lot and became so important for Munster. Um, I think he's an inspiration for like, young players who are there in the training ground. Um, I think John Van Grand said, actually, in terms of the line-out training, like Billy Holland has basically been the line-out coach around UL for the last like three years. So he's been like, he, you know, on the pitch, you can kind of tell his leadership as a senior figure. I think he's crucial to the Munster culture there. He's been there through all those years and has been with all those great players. And I think, yeah, he's just, he probably is one of those unsung heroes. And um as much as maybe he hasn't won trophies or been at the elite level for Ireland, I think he will still go down as like a, a monster legend in his own right. Yeah, no, just I'm, I'm almost getting you to fast forward here and let's say monster do get past Toulouse. Who, yeah. are we, who would be the preferred opponent next? Because you have either Wasps or Claremont there. Well, I think we'd, we'd prefer Wasps, I think, for sure. Yeah, like, you know, we we, we, oh, we went down like 24-0 or 28-0 against Claremont, was it? So, like, you know, we've seen Claremont's threat. And, um, yeah, like, especially after two tough matches in a row against Leinster and Toulouse, like, trying to produce another big performance to beat them would be would be very challenging, obviously. So, yeah, I think, I think we'd be better off uh, playing Wasps to give ourselves um, the best chance. And finally, Ronan, um, just before we let you go, um, what's your prediction for the game this weekend? Do you think Munster can respond after last week's disappointing defeat? Um, I'm, I'm kind of meant to say I think Munster are going to win, aren't I? But, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, to be honest, I, I probably would predict uh, Toulouse win.
Okay, well, not, not not by much, but I think yeah, maybe to lose by a try or so would be the the sensible option. Oh, don't worry. Um, we had um, the guy off the three Red Kings. Um, oh yeah. Tom, he was on. He said when we were discussing the Ireland England game, he was saying England by ten or fifteen. So yeah. <laughs> let's hope it's one of those scenarios with yourself yeah, too. Hopefully. I'd love to be proven wrong. Look, thanks very much for joining me, Rona. Today it's been great having you on the show. Cheers, Ivan. Thanks very much.